What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Hustle Project Podcast. This is your host, Nick Marcos, and this is my newest project where I'm sitting down with local business owners and community members who truly embody the hustle mentality. We're going to dive in deep and get their amazing stories of the ups, the downs, and everything in between. So whether you're an entrepreneur, you want to be an entrepreneur, or you're just someone who enjoys hearing the stories behind our community's movers and shakers, this is the podcast for you. So tune in and take pride knowing that we have these great people with incredible stories living right here in our neighborhood. Make sure you tune in weekly for our newest episodes. For more information, check out our website, hustleprojectpodcast.com, or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Hustle Project Podcast. Enjoy this week's episode, guys. All right, Tony, welcome to the podcast. Well, thank you. Thanks for having me. So I want to, um, first of all, I want to congratulate you on your new business venture. Thank you. Best Life Meal Prep. Mm-hmm. And we'll get into that a little later. But why don't you tell me a little bit about yourself? Like, where are you from? What's your history? Go ahead. Okay. Uh, yeah, born and raised here on the North Shore. Uh, born, in, born in Salem, but lived in Peabody my whole life. So grew up in Peabody. Grew up in Peabody, yeah. Went to uh, Bishop Fenwick. Sorry for all those community uh, high kids. It's a damn shame. I'm a St. Mary's guy. I never really liked you. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. So, um, you know, after after leaving high school, you know, worked in the restaurant business for a little bit, worked as a waiter, actually, and realized that I hated the front of the house. Hated, uh, hated okay. working out front. So hold on. Let me let me take yeah. it further back. Were your parents involved in the restaurant business or anything? No, never at all. Chefs? Uh, no, my mother, though, was a fantastic cook. So when I was growing up, I would always... Uh, even from a young age, I was always in the kitchen with her. I was always cooking. Uh, so then, you know, after high school, in my mid-20s or so, when I was kind of trying to figure out what I'd want to do, uh, cooking just seemed like a natural um, Did you cook a lot growing up with your mom in the I kitchen? I did, for sure, yeah. yeah. And I cooked all the time. And I was always, uh, this is before the Food Network, I was always watching the Discovery Channel. There were shows on there. Right, early on. I yeah, remember because yeah. I was big into the Discovery Channel. A lot yeah, of people yeah, yeah. were. It was really cool. And then it kind of came out of that. You're right. Yeah. I yeah. never thought of it like that. That was a really so good... So it's way back. And even further back, a lot of people have the influence of watching Julia Child on right. TV. Right, of course. That's so a, kind of that typical uh, thing. But I also had the benefit of my mother being uh, the type of person that cooked every single night. And I would help her in the kitchen, and I just kind of learned from her. And she was a really good cook and is still a really good cook. Right. Old school, though. Yeah. Where is yeah. she from originally? She's Brazilian. Brazilian, okay. She's Brazilian. My dad was Portuguese. Both? both. So you're first generation American? Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. So we have this, We have that in common. So I know, I know exactly what you're yeah. talking about. And, and it wasn't just like a regular meal. It was like a five-course meal every oh, night. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And no matter how many people you brought over... If it was last minute, there's always there like was food always, just kind of appeared out right, everywhere. Yeah, because you know what? That's how they measured themselves. Right. Like yeah, our moms, sure. like if they didn't have enough food, there was nothing more embarrassing right. than not having food for your company. Uh, that's abso- right? absolutely right. And, and now so. it's had the opposite effect on me. When you come yeah. by my house, it's like, yeah, I got some nuts. Right. Yeah. <laughs> we just order out all the time. Right. Yeah. So early on, you kind of, you you were sort of attracted to that, to, yeah. that, uh, to the restaurant world, but... While you're in high school, um, did you ever explore any other possibilities? Was, was you know being an engineer or a rocket scientist on your mind? Or was you it- know, I, I thought I'd be a pro football player, but <laughs> that yeah. wasn't cut out. You know, I, I'm only five six, or basketball. None of those. Uh, are, so, you know, I didn't really. You know, I thought I might pursue something in athletics, uh, like right. person being an athletic trainer, or a sports trainer, something like that. Um, and then ultimately. And we can get to this a little bit later, but that's kind of where I'm kind of bringing food back mm-hmm. with Best Life Meal Prep. It's Isn't it funny of, how it ends up working right, out that yeah, way? Yeah, so I'm still focused on food, but where like the athletic end of it kind of split off, now I'm kind of bringing it back in because my focus with the meal prep company is more fitness oriented. Right. Know, not just on athletes and not just on um, sports, but, but for people, people to feel better. People who are conscious of, of their health. Right. And, and it's interesting how those two uh, passions collide. Right. And, yeah, it, yeah. and it's like, uh, it feels like fireworks are going off because now it's like, well, I get the best of both worlds. But so talk to me about your, um, did you have, uh, did you go to a culinary school? I did. Okay. Um, so in my late 20s, so I got, I got kind of a late start with cooking school. I was about 27. Um, and I always throw in there that in my 20s, I was a truck driver. But I had a lot of time as a truck driver to think about food. What do you mean? What is that? What, that was your job? That was my job oh, okay. when, when I was like, you know, 24, 25. Yep. Um, so, but what, what was cool about that was I would get home 
pretty early and I would just cook and I would cook dinner. I'd watch the TV show and learn right. a little bit more. I'd read, you know, tons and tons of books just and work it chipping away. Yeah. And then I was thinking, you know, well, this isn't necessarily what I want for my career, uh, but it kind of led me to think about cooking school. You know, I was thinking, you know, this is something I'm doing so much of on the side. And I was doing some catering. I catered a few um, larger scale events on my own. And I started thinking, okay, I'm either going to pursue this and go into the restaurant business because back in my early 20s when I was a waiter, um, while I didn't really love waiting on tables, I loved the restaurant right. lifestyle. Yeah. Very fast paced, um, kind of a substitute for sports, you know, because mm -hmm. it is very quick and it's, you know, well, you get that rush. The yeah, orders come in, sure. and you're yeah. putting those rushes together. Yeah, and there's yeah. teamwork. A lot of teamwork involved. Yeah. So even though I was a waiter, when I was cooking so much, I was like, you know, where do I want to go with this? Mm -hmm. uh, do I want to keep picking up catering jobs on the side, or go to cooking school and really pursue the restaurant industry? And that's what I chose to do. And it's funny because people are all, especially young people. Um, anybody who's listening to the show can can listen um, to you speak and understand that. This is a prime example of following your efforts. For sure. Right? So yeah. it's not just about what I love to do. It's what do I do all the time that I enjoy doing? Like, what do I do and time just sort of stands still? What do I do and, like, it excites me? Right. And it, and it came back to, like, cooking did that for yeah. you. Yeah, yeah. I remember the first day, uh, like, orientation at cooking school. I was like, man. Where I did you go? Uh, Cambridge School of Culinary Arts cool. on Mass Ave in yep. Cambridge. And I've heard of it. I think they do um, cooking classes downstairs. Do. Yeah, yeah, I took one one yeah. time on a date. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So they do. I married her. Oh, it was a good that's date. That's good. It's a good date. Food <laughs> does that. Uh, but I remember being there and thinking, you know, I definitely am in the right spot. So even though it was a little bit later, I was 27, I, I knew that I'd made the right decision in going to cooking school and pursuing ultimately a career in restaurant business. So where did it go from there? Um, you, you did your schooling. Yeah. And then you got to get the work, you know, you got to get that shit job out of the way, right? Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So. Um, I worked at a restaurant in Cambridge that was near the school in Porter Square, and it's not there anymore. It's called uh, Metro, and it was a French restaurant. My focus at first was all French food. The, uh, the director of the school kind of handpicked that restaurant for me and said, I think you should go work here and work with this particular chef. Is that something they did normally? They would like yeah, they yeah. recognize your talent and line you up? Yeah, so it's like her mentorship. Mm -hmm. you know. So she mentored me in that sense and was saying, you know, this is a great chef that's opening this restaurant. Uh, and the chef's name was Amanda Lydon. And she became, you know, like in the succession, it's like my mother is my first mentor. Roberta, the director of the cooking school, was my second mentor because she really took me under her wing throughout cooking school. Right. And then Amanda was uh, another mentor. And I worked at um, Metro as a line cook. It was a busy restaurant, um, very busy, like 250 seats. And she was a very popular chef. So that was an amazing opportunity. And that's like, isn't that sort of one of those hidden secrets to success as a chef? Is like, you really want to make sure that you go work somewhere where you're learning from someone who's really experienced. I mean, Absolutely. not that that doesn't apply to everything, but like right. as a chef, it's... it's it's very important, right? It's super, super important. I mean, you, if you go to school and then you just go to work at, say, like a Five Guys, like you're not right. going to grow. Yeah, you're not yeah. going to learn. If you go work for a great chef, yeah, what, yeah, know, that it's must so be so important. You you pick up their influence. Uh, you know how they make food taste. You know, are they heavy? Is their food heavy? Is their food light? Do they in introduce a lot of acidity mm -hmm. and brighten it up? Um, even their standards, how they. They teach you how to order. Right. They teach you everything. So they're it's one really thing to do it in school. And now right. it's a whole different right. thing to, to actually get your hands on it yeah. and yeah. serve people who, in turn, will give you feedback. I mean, the right. feedback right. is... Right, right. That's, that, that's the tough part. That's the yeah. painful part. Yeah. Talk to me a little bit about what it was like um, sort of when you decided to go on your own. Because I know now... Um, so you went to work at Metro, and mm -hmm. then at some point you decided to open up your own restaurant in right. Salem, and it, it was a hit. I remember it. Um, so talk to me a little bit about how that came to fruition. So um, it was a few years, few years after that first job. I worked, I followed Amanda to another restaurant in Cambridge. I became her sous chef, so I was moving up the ranks of being a chef. Then I went to a, um, a restaurant in Southborough and became the executive chef there. And that was a pretty popular restaurant. It, it got a lot of notoriety, but it was Southborough and I still lived right. in Peabody. Wow. Yeah. And, but, you know, truthfully, if we go back to that first day at cooking school, at orientation, I remember sitting there thinking to myself, my plan was to 
go to school, become a cook, a sous chef, exec chef, and then own my own place. So that was 100% the plan from the very beginning. Um, I don't know why, you know, like. So for you working in Southboro, you looked at it sort of, and and this is great um, advice to anybody. It's sometimes it's not about what you're doing right now. It's what you might be able to do in the future. It's like, yeah, you know what? I don't want to drive to Southboro every day, but I have the opportunity to be an executive chef, get that experience under my belt, and then get even closer to my end goal. It's almost like, you know, eat as much shit as you can. Like I always tell young entrepreneurs, just get used to not being happy about the, your present situation, right? right. right? Like, yeah. And look forward, and that's what you did. You were like, yeah. you know what, I'll go to South Borough. That's a long ride. I mean, it was a long ride. You know, I loved the job, and I liked the people that I was working with. They even, you know, at one point offered me partnership, but I think that shows I didn't want that. Right. You can't make me want mm-hmm. what I don't want. And it wasn't because it was bad. Right. That was all great, but I had gotten it in my head. I wanted to own you my own You had your place. vision. Yeah. yeah. And I don't really know where that came from. You know, my, my parents weren't entrepreneurs. They didn't own businesses. Uh, some families, you know, you grow up in that. Right. And so it's just kind of understood. Yeah. For us, yeah, I, like I said, I don't know. I just got it in my head. That's what I was going to do. It must be like the creative freedom. Yeah. Like yeah. Some people are just, you know what, like I, 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 the part about cooking that I enjoy is the creativity. And if right. I work for someone, even though I'm the executive chef and I create, the yeah. it's different when you own it because yeah. now you get to create the whole, that whole energy. Everything, yeah. yeah. And that was, and it's not like a control freak thing mm-hmm. in a negative sense, but you feel that you have something to offer and you have something to offer all the way around. The decor, right. the floor that you choose, the bar, the lights, you know, and of course the food, the plates that they're served on, right. how the servers interact. So when you have that feeling that you have something to offer, you, you want to do it. You want to do it. Yeah. And there's a lot of people who don't feel that but still do it. Right. And you can see it when you go places. Right. right. But you can usually tell when a restaurant's just owned by a chef. Right. Like, yeah. you know, and you can tell when it's owned by someone who's a chef owner. Right. Who, like the right. guy who understands the economics, he understands the yeah. experience, he understands the culture and then and yeah. the food. Then it's like, oh, all right. So talk to me about um, your first restaurant. So that was, uh, was a dream come true. You know, it was 2008. That was a tough time to open a restaurant. Right. 2008 same, is when the economy, yeah. you know, time kind of took a nosedive. Uh, and people kind of pegged us as being an expensive, uh, fine dining restaurant. So it was definitely a little bit of um, people not understanding what we were trying to accomplish. It was definitely a fine dining restaurant. But my feeling of fine dining is that it's, it's what we do in the kitchen and you can show up in jeans and a t-shirt and just eat. It doesn't matter, you know. Right. But we had a lot of people kind of misunderstand it and think that it was like a suit and tie kind of place. And at this time, because this was in Salem, right, 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 and Salem was just sort of starting to become right, hip, right, right. And it was almost a little bit ahead of its time in that sense. Where now, I like to think so. <laughs> yeah, no, it was. I mean, you, you, there's some beautiful restaurants in Salem right. now. I grew up in Linton, but my parents owned a diner in Salem, so I spent a lot of time oh, in yeah, the downtown yep. area. And I'll t- I mean, you know firsthand, you know, 1999, 2003, like any one of those years, you open up any restaurant in Salem and it's right. crickets. There's a few yeah. restaurants in downtown. So you were sort of at the, right at the beginning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So people, it doesn't, doesn't surprise me that people kind of missed, they didn't understand how to label it, I guess. Yeah, you know, and so most people, yeah, and, and don't get me wrong, we had a great run. We had a longer run than a lot of restaurants have. Yeah. We were there And for a very successful, very, I mean, a lot of accolades. There was Thank a lot you. of yeah. There was a lot of people saying a lot of positive things. Yeah. I still have the cardboard box in the basement <laughs> with all the articles and yeah, yeah, my old scrapbook. Well, because you brought it, you brought an elevated level of dining experience Thank to you. Salem, right? Thanks. And and at the beginning, early on, when nobody was willing to take that risk, there yeah. were established restaurants that had been there for forty years, of course, right? Right. right. But right. nobody was really like, yeah, I'm gonna I'm going into because it was Pickering Wharf. Pickering Wharf. I'm, yeah. not, I'm gonna go into Pickering Wharf and open up a restaurant, um, yeah. sort of high end, introduce food at you know from a cuisine, like a fine cuisine level as opposed yeah. to like burgers and fries. And, yeah. and um, But, you know, I was super proud of what we did. You know, we had a great, uh, like I said, we had a great run. It was eight years, uh, which is longer than a lot of places. But, you know, not to compare us to other places, I was just proud that we were able to do that and really proud of how we, um, like the, the culture that we developed. You know, that was always important to me, the culture with our wait staff, um, them with our customers, you know, we would have sometimes a, a server would leave because 
you know, maybe they were a teacher and they were moving. This happened a few times. And customers would come in on their last night and they'd be hugging and crying, both the, the customer right. and the employee. And I was like, wow, we, <laughs> I think we built something really special here. Right. Great they're to be a part crying of crying like that uh, when a waitress or a waiter is leaving. So we had, you know, that stuff was super important to me to um, be able to look back and say right. that we had a really good if corporate culture, if you will. Yeah, and uh, and you know what's cool too is that you know a lot of people think that just because things close, um, they failed. And, right. And, right. And it's a misconception because some restaurants only have a five to seven year lifespan. Yeah. They're riding particular waves, right? And it's hard to be like the sushi place that all of a sudden starts doing burgers. Like, right. <laughs> if sushi's hot and you want to be careful ride of that, that place, <laughs> don't. Yeah, you heard it from him. No, don't necessarily chase that one. <laughs> right. But you know what I mean? It's like um, so if you introduce a line of products or you introduce a menu that's right. extremely relevant at the time, yeah, it has an expiration date most of the time, most right, of the time. Right. And to me, it's more impressive to see how people ride the waves because yep. you know, you're leasing these spaces. You could say, and this might be a little technical for people that are not experienced in the business world, but you might lease it for five to seven years with a five to seven year business plan, with an exit strategy, right. you know, saying, hey, listen, this is a seven year run. I'm coming out of the red in year two. I'm going to have five, a five year, pr- you know what I mean? So it's yeah, like... Yeah. People can do that and they do it often. And cooks in particular just like to switch things up because they want to be creative. So what was the next step when you guys decided you were done um, and you were ready to move on? What was the next step? Um, So real quick, just before that, just like you were saying about like sometimes a restaurant or business has has a finite, you know, life cycle. cycle. It, It doesn't just go on forever. That was kind of true of us, too. It's like when you're a cook, cooks are notorious for this or chefs are notorious for kind of like just throwing themselves 100% into something and then kind of burning out and, right. and not burning out in a negative way. It's just like, you know, it was my, at the time, my greatest accomplishment and I would have slept there every night if I could. And then you're just so focused and so dedicated to it that it's almost like an addiction. Right. And then at some point you kind of come out of it and you're like, Oh, okay. I think I'm over that. I'm over that addiction or or something. And then you have a family and you, your focus or your needs or your, uh, what you're kind of interested in more changes. Adjusts. Yeah. Yeah. And it adjusts. Exactly. So then our next step was, um, you know, that's I, exactly, by the way, that's exactly the way I meant it to be oh, yeah, understood. Yeah, yeah. yeah no, that, I get you. Yeah, I agree. I mean, and that, no, for the listeners, in case they're wondering, like, how could someone just like run a re- Some people run restaurants for 30 plus years. Right. And sometimes by year 30, it's a little bit. It's like, different. It's a different. They're, they're usually like, I'm, I'm a product. I grew up in a, in a business where they just ran it for 30 years just because they wanted to just make do. And, it, and they did a good job, but they were not executing creativity. They were right. just executing uh, food service. It was the f- that's the food service business, right? right like, right. it's very different. I had my my brother and I owned a really successful dealership in Danvers for over ten years, and right. we decided that it was time to move on and right. create a whole right. new experience. A whole the same way a restaurateur would do that. And yep. a lot of people around me were saying, "You're a crazy. That place is a cash cow." Yeah, you know what? At some point, it doesn't become about the money anymore. Right. 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 It's about it's about stimulating your creative side. Mm-hmm. Not everything I do is. Is, is is about money, right? right I have a family right. now. Right. You know, I'm looking to build my legacy. Yeah. And and so sorry to divert, but no, so that's all right. talk to me a little bit about what the next step was because I really feel like it only got better. <clears throat> I mean it's it's rare that you move on yeah. and it get, you know, usually it gets a little worse. Yeah, and yeah. But it got better. Go ahead. No, it definitely got better. We um I ended up becoming the the head chef at Daniela's in Danvers and uh then helping them open uh their third restaurant and called Daniela's, Right. And Daniela's, to elaborate a little bit, is um, sort of like a higher-end Italian-style right. food right. Um, in downtown Danvers, across the street from McKinnon's. Exactly, yeah. And it, it's it's something that just popped up. I live in Danvers. It just popped up out of nowhere one day, and all of a sudden it just commanded a lot right. of respect right off the bat. Right. Um, so how talk to me a little bit about what you did, what your role was in... Mm-hmm. So that they actually were already open when I went there. When I... Um, so I was... Um, friends with the owner, uh, Dan Mamola, and he, um, you know, great track record of running successful restaurants. And Daniela's, I think, had already been there for a couple of years. But I was running my restaurant, and I wasn't ready yet to make that transition. So when I became ready, I went there, and I feel like we did a lot of good things there. Um, we introduced fresh pasta, because at my restaurant, I was always known for making pasta by hand every day. 
Uh, so we were able to introduce fresh pasta, uh, which was something that was a goal of Dan's at, um, at Daniela's. So we introduced that, um, made some good changes on the menu that we think, you know, helped people become more, you know, loyal to the restaurant and enjoy their experience there a little bit more um, with regards to the food. And then um, kind, of, kind of the focus was always they were opening their third restaurant, and then I would kind of oversee that one as well. Help them with that yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and that, that was? That's uh, Alto Forno. Alto Forno, yeah. yeah. Um, which so that is, was like a more, that was more, more like my restaurant in the sense that it wasn't um, classic red sauce Italian, but more of a modern take right. on Italian. And I've been to that restaurant as well, and it was fantastic. Great, thank you. Um, but your role sort of um, at Altaforno was more like right from the beginning, kind of opening a restaurant again, uh, which is something I love doing. You know, in fact, throughout my career, um, Daniela's was the only restaurant they ever worked at that was already open. Every right. restaurant I worked at, whether it was a cook, line cook or head chef, was from construction to the doors open. That's really cool. I love that yeah, process. That process. That's like what it, excites, I think, a lot of entre- entrepreneurs, but excites me the most yeah, is yeah. the beginning. It's just it's, building it and like and getting the feedback. The, I love that. The I love sleepless that. nights of writing lists of, you know, we need forks, we need plates, right. we need, you know, a bucket over by the dish sink right, for the yeah. soap, you know, whatever. And just, working out the kinks, getting yeah, that process going. And, and figuring out the process. Yeah. I love that. So I did that with Alto Forno. Um, open to, you know, good reviews, people enjoy the food. But, um, you know, ultimately for me, being in the restaurant business at that point in time... You had the creative itch. I had the itch, <laughs> and I had to go. I had to make my exit. <laughs> right, and that's, and that's, you know, besides the fact you have a fantastic history and you're very well um, experienced, what you're into now is mm-hmm. really exciting because it's a whole different realm in the food business. Yeah, and it really is. It's something that's up and coming, and you're one of the first ones, I would say, to market, local market with this, and... I want to hear more about it. So go ahead and so it's best life meal prep. Best life meal prep. That's yeah. what you're up to now, right. and it's really cool. So talk to me a little bit about it and sure. educate maybe some of the listeners who don't know um, what what it is. Okay. So a uh, meal prep service or meal prep company is you know it's not a restaurant. So you but basically we all live online. So you would go to our website and you're essentially what you're doing is you're ordering meals for you to have throughout the week. So in the past few years, meal prep um, has become f- uh, kind of familiar or popular with people doing CrossFit or people who are working out as a way of having meals that are healthy for you, ready to go. But kind of the backbone of meal prep is that you do it on Sunday. And so that's become a big thing on Instagram, meal prep Sunday. Uh, so that's kind is of is that the individual like I, I would if I was like you would prep your own into, meals right. on Sunday um, for the whole for week. the week and right. so that way you know you'd bust out your crock pot or your instapot and mm. you would you know take pictures of it and say okay I've got healthy meals now so that I don't end up in a drive through right but now meal prep companies have kind of latched on right and so propped people, up people love that lifestyle say, hey, but unfortunately right. they can't execute that they it's just like, don't it's yeah. a lot of work why here comes why the meal prep do your companies. own meal prep right you get a guy like me now we have a problem i'll do your meal prep right the exactly <laughs> so you know you go onto our website and you order by thursday night um that's that's one we're still like fingers crossed hoping people will listen well take me back i got a lot of orders on fridays <laughs> but uh, well that's always gonna happen right right but take me back one second so when you sure. say so talk to me a little bit about what the meal is mm-hmm. um because I was fortunate enough, um, and like I do with everybody who's on the podcast, I want to experience what you're up to. So I got invited. You invited me um, over to your commissary, and it was really cool to see. And what shocked me the most as soon as I walked in was that it was like high-end quality food being right. prepped. It wasn't like right. you know you just had like a lettuce shredded in a yeah. It yeah. was you know I saw like beautiful heirloom tomatoes yeah. and like fresh cut zucchini. And yeah, yeah. while I was there, 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 there was a, a shellfish company or a fish company de- delivering that fresh salmon that you were selling. Yeah. So like it was I was like whoa. I actually went home. You don't know this yet, but I went home and told. I told my wife, I said, because my wife's a stay-at-home mom. Okay. Yeah. And we've got two little ones, and she doesn't have time to to right. you know check her phone never mind cook sometimes so she's now starting to get in the habit of eating junk food right and she's right. a health nut and yeah. so i see it and i'm like honey 
we got to do something. Right. I just went to see this guy, Tony Bettencourt. <laughs> Call, so she actually placed her first order today. Oh, I thought that was you. I saw the last <laughs> name okay. come in. All right. So we did that yeah, because nice. it, it served for two purposes. First okay. of all, I was fortunate enough to go in and see it. And yeah. I was like, wow, if there's something we're to try, it's this, right? Awesome. Like if you saw a new Thank restaurant you. opening, you would go try it, right? Right For the experience. But this, this too is an experience. The experience of going online, picking, picking it out, and then getting it delivered to our house. I told once I told her what quality of food it was, mm-hmm. she was like, "Okay, I'm I'm in 100%." Oh, awesome. That's great. So I was like, "Listen, honey, like this was, you know, this is a professional chef." Right. So when you're preparing these meals, yeah. I mean, they're they're high end, you know, almost I don't want to call it fine dining because it's not fine dining, but like high end meals. Yeah. Is that what that consumer usually is that where the bar is now for So for me, I I market it as being restaurant quality food at home. So you know, you see a lot of, um, think of like Blue Apron yes. or Plated, a lot of those meal kit companies. And I could never get myself to order one because right. I don't have the time to make it. And and that food is great. And believe it or not, my wife ordered it one time and I was you're floored. Almost, you're I was like, you, do you know what I do for a living? You ordered a <laughs> meal plan? Um, well, that's like when my wife goes to another dealership to get an oil right, change. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> You should just do it in the driveway. <laughs> they should. But, um, you know, those places, the food is great, and they're very creative, and they're, they're, you know, having, from a restaurant standpoint, my background was always cooking Italian or French. So with those meal kits, I was making food I would never really make. Like, I don't really mess with Asian, right. really. So that was fantastic, but you still have all the dishes to do, and right. you still need the time. And you need the time and you lose, to read the recipe carefully yeah. to get the full effect because you are paying for it. Yeah, so you could say that the ingredient quality is very good, but yeah, the for sure. but there's a chance you might not do it execute it perfectly. Right, you know, right. there's a way to cook pasta right, specifically exactly. to get a certain texture. So, you know, a meal prep company versus a meal kit, a kit is the one that you make yourself, like blue apron. A meal prep company, we're selling we're sending you meals that are ready to go. Um, it is in a to-go container, so it's in your fridge. You pop the lid, you put it in your microwave, and you go. Um, lunch at the office or dinner at home. And the idea is, again, for us, restaurant quality. You know, So right. it's, not, um, it's not just steamed uh, white rice with a grilled chicken breast. Right, you know, exactly. We have nicer, more creative meals. We do have more basic meals like chicken and rice with vegetables. But even then, we want the vegetables to be really nice. We're using mostly organic as much right. as we possibly can. Um, and I make all the meals myself over the weekend. So by Sunday, you know, sometimes on Sunday, I'm still cooking. And by 1 o'clock, I'm delivering it to you. Right. So, so people, are, people are going on and, and, and putting their plan together. Right. Um, right. And, then they're, and then you're getting an alert. And then basically on, on Friday, you go in and you... Right. And I start the you process. You get the ovens yeah. going and you right. start the process. And then yep. what I, th- I think if I remember correctly, Sundays, you go out and you deliver or people come and pick them up. Right. So we have that, that option of Sunday or Monday, pickup or delivery. So we have a spot right in Danvers at 41 Prince Street. That's where you would pick up. Right. Uh, there's a time window that's listed on the website between it's 3.30 to 5. Uh, but I live a mile away. So I've had people email me like, I can't right. get there. And I'm like, all right, I'll meet you there. Yeah, no big yeah. deal. You know, yeah. it's a small business. And I know all of our customers. Uh, I'm delivering to them. That's the cool thing, too, about this versus the restaurant. With the restaurant, I was always in the kitchen. And I, came, I kind of came up from the old school kitchen mentality cooks are supposed to be in the kitchen, not in the dining room. Right. Don't go talk to people. Yep. So here it's pretty cool because I get to talk to them all the time, whether they are picking up or if I'm dropping off. Right, you're the chef and the face. Right, of the right. And that, the I've never had that opportunity right. before. Um, so it's pretty cool that I get to actually meet my customers. And it's not cool if they don't like the food. Well, but so far that hasn't happened. Yeah, well, I mean, <laughs> you're never going to make everybody happy, right? right? right. I mean, but it's cool to see them and then we see them you know, week after week come in, we have regulars and it's really nice to, you know, how's it going? How are the meals? They like it, you know. What's the feedback been like? I mean, this is a relatively new concept. I'm a lot of the younger kids, maybe sub 35. Right. They really get this, but you know, 35 plus crowd, this is different, a little questionable. What's the feedback been like? You know, the feedback's been great. You know, like I said, we have a lot of regulars, so they come in um, and let me know that's been very helpful for a lot. But it, it kind of runs the gamut as far as, who is using it as far as age and also why. Some people right. are coming in because they feel great and they're losing weight. 
others are happy because it's convenient mm-hmm. and they're saving time. Right. So there's just so many different ways you yeah. can make someone and, happy. And that's kind of the two things that we focus on is um, not just about losing weight, but feeling better, which is really kind of how this all started yeah. in, in, a couple of years ago in our brains. You know, the business has only been out for a year, but the, like the thought process of it started and kind of started incubating. Yeah, when did you first see this trend coming about? When mm-hmm. did you realize that you wanted to be a part of it? Because you could have gone anywhere. I mean, it's, you yeah. probably you could have opened up your own restaurant. You could have stayed there. You could have went and been an executive chef somewhere else. Right. Why, right. why meal prep and how did it come about? You know, my wife and I um, just kind of got sick of the food that's out there, you know, like for we're parents. And what happens when you're a parent, when your kids are playing sports, and our kids are, are 12 and 11, so... You know, starting back a couple of years ago, we're driving to football practice, cheerleading practice, gymnastics, and ultimately you always end up, you're, you're out late. A lot of these practices go until 8 p.m., and I don't remember that when I was a kid. I remember practice being wrapped up after school by 5. Yeah, because it wasn't like that, but yeah. you weren't doing 96 practices for one right, sport, right? Right, So, and then, you know, if, if my daughter has cheerleading in Georgetown and my son has practice in Danvers for football, you know, that's a lot of drive time. Right. And by the time you pick them up without fail, the first question they ask all the time is, I'm hungry. What's for dinner? And it's, oh, I'm hungry. Where's the McDonald's? Yeah. So you go to McDonald's, Chipotle, maybe. Yeah. Well, it's so late. Uh, I mean, there's not many places. Or pizza. Open. And so everything is like that. And so, you know, we're, we're typical parents. That was happening with us quite a bit. And even if we did make it home, it was the same deal. Call someplace to get takeout. Right. Um, but really, there were two things that really prompted us to do this and start changing how we were eating. For me, it was, I'm 45, so it was, uh, when I was 40, I was just sick of that restaurant lifestyle of staying at work real late, you know, midnight or so. Of course, you have a couple of drinks. And then, you know, I was never one to sleep late, but I would get routinely four to five hours of sleep. That's it. Uh, a couple of drinks every night after work, eat nothing all day, right. and then just sit on the couch because I was so tired. Well, of course I was tired. Right. Not yeah. sleeping. Malnutrition. And, yeah, yeah, exactly. And then, uh, so that was happening with me. And then I kind of discovered that I wanted to get back into sports and get back into athletics. And I did um, a Spartan race, which got me back into training. Then that led me to CrossFit. And then while I don't do that anymore, it kind of showed me that, okay, I'm training hard. Mm-hmm. But I'm not getting results. And, and when, once you're over 40, that does happen. But it was because of the nutrition or the right. lack thereof. So I started changing how I was eating for my own benefit. And then with my wife, she actually has rheumatoid arthritis. And she is the type of person that does not want to take medication. So I'm not going down the road of giving people medical advice. But you can um, help your condition with eating better. So yeah, she I've heard this, really has heard focused on and that. And has it helped her? Um, it has helped her. There That's are great. times that she still has flare-ups right. uh, with the pain, but we just eat really cleanly at home and really, um, I don't want to say stripped down, like it's bland, but like olive oil, I, don't, I couldn't even tell you the last time I cooked something with butter. ton of vegetables. We focus on organic at home. So when we found ourselves eating like this, um, that's when I started thinking, you know what, this is the food I believe in. So this is the food I want to start cooking. And at and the same time, you're probably starting to get kind of not bored, but sort of ready to move on almost from right, Alta. Right. And, and you can't cook the food you believe in unless some, you do yeah. it for, for yourself. Right. Agreed. And that I was mean, pretty much, you know, it's like, okay, let's do this. Or you just have a really sick setup with the guy. Right. Right. The restaurant, which, <laughs> you know, that's not going to happen. Not going to happen. I know, I know exactly yeah. what you mean. So that's sort of how that idea yeah. came together. And so that's how it came together. And then, and then it was as simple as you saying I'm ready, right? Because yeah. you, you, like we spoke about before. So tell me about how the, the early start of, yeah, of, yeah. of Best Life, because so, this is cool. This is like, you know, this is, yeah. go ahead. So, um, you know, well, I wrote it up first. I was sitting in front of the computer for what felt like weeks at a time, writing out this blueprint, the plan, if mm-hmm. you will, like stage one, uh, stage two, fa- you know, stage one was Facebook page, stage two, you know, et cetera, and so on. So then one night, um, and actually for me, I'm a little bit older. Hold on. I want to pause yeah, for a second. Yeah. So as you're making these phases or these. Yeah, yeah. It's essentially a business plan. Right. But it was just, to me, I call it the blueprint. But this is where it can go sour for a lot of people. And I feel right, like it does. Because right. now it's like, all right, I want to do this. Let me see how much work it's going to be. 
Oh, right? yeah, like, that doesn't even come into question for right. me. And it's amazing how yeah. that happens because for me, I get excited at the idea that there are, that that's how you did it because whenever I do something like that, yeah. the more I do it, the more I want to do it. Mm -hmm. But most people, the more the, the, the more they do, it hits a tipping point. Oh, no, no, no. I'm not going to put all this, all this work and I haven't even started yet. Right. right so right. what was the experience you had when you started writing down the phases that you were going to go through? Did it excite you? Oh, my God. It was like opening another restaurant. Oh, it was yeah. like an adrenaline rush. Yeah. That was, that's my drug right there, my right. drug of choice. Same so here. I was writing a plan and seeing something start. Um, visualizing a lot. Visualizing it. Um, there's a there's a, an author that I like named Stephen Pressfield, and mm -hmm. he, has a, he has a couple of books out, but one is shorter than a book. It's just a document. It's like... You know, it took me, it's like two pages. It's called Do the Work. And if you look it up, that will flip that switch. You know, right. if you are in the process and you're kind of like procrastinating, which a lot of people do, and myself included, when you read that, you'll think you're an idiot for right. procrastinating. You're like, oh my God. And <laughs> then, and I used it, you know, it was great. So like going back, the, the very beginning of it was the Facebook page, you know. So I was staring at the computer um, writing up the blueprint. And then, like I said, you know, being a little bit older, I'm not super comfortable with like Instagram. So right. we were in Florida. So I was like literally reading, Googling how to take uh, pictures on Instagram, how to get right. your Instagram page popular. Well, well that's that Because I have too, no right? idea. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so and my daughter, um, who's now 11, but at that time was 10, was helping me. And she's like showing me how to post a picture on Instagram because <laughs> I knew that I'd have to post a picture. So the opening phase of it was like it was a Sunday night. My wife and I joke about this. She went up to bed, um, you know, still from the restaurant lifestyle. I go to bed late. So I was like, okay, honey, I'll see you later. She went up, and it was about 2 in the morning, and I hit publish on the Facebook page. And that was it. That was our first online presence that, hey, we're actually doing something. Right. She woke up the next day. It was live. We had messages. Uh, we had an email address. We had orders. And I was like, wow, I can't believe people right. are actually ordering. Like, just like, just like Sight that, unseen, yeah. yeah. And um, that first week, we had you know a few hundred dollars worth of orders, which isn't terrible for. On Sunday night, it didn't exist, and on Monday morning, it, it existed. Did. Yeah, and it's not like you had like this huge marketing campaign, like no. grand opening. <laughs> you know, it's a different. I didn't story. Google how to market right. yet. <laughs> <laughs> but if you have a brick and mortar store, right, it's such right. a huge investment that you need to come out like that. Yeah. When you're doing what you're doing, right? You don't. You don't need to do that. And so that's what I liked about it. You know, I know we mentioned this. Uh, we talked about it when we saw each other last week, I like how stripped down it is. Mm -hmm. You know, with a restaurant, you need, you need a building, uh, whether you rent it or own it. Uh, you need the renovation budget. You need Massive staff. Massive kitchen. You, you can't build a place and then tell people, well, next week when we're busy, um, we'll then buy the tables and chairs. Right. You know, whereas with this, <laughs> I do exactly that. If this week is busier, then I go and I treat myself to something like... I'll get a new whisk, you right. know, or something like that. <laughs> but with a restaurant, you you have to be all in up right. front. Whereas with this, you can really huge capital investment. Yeah, yeah, and almost one of the highest fail rates. Right, right, right. It's exactly. one of the worst businesses to be yeah. in. Seriously. Yeah. And and now is harder than ever. Food costs are so high. Right. You know, payroll is just ridiculous. It's at a ridiculous point. It's almost at a breaking point. I'm hearing stories. Not for me because I work alone. Well, that's where I'm going, right? But right. I'm starting to hear like just through the rumor mill, just through the entrepreneurial community that I that I'm involved in, like all these like good restaurants like for sale. Or, right. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, well, why are you selling? Is everybody ready to transition? No, these are young guys. It's just getting to that point. Here comes this meal prep right. idea where where. Initially, you're doing it out of your home kitchen. Obviously, you don't want to promote that, but you right, know that's right. just that's life. <laughs> that's how it works. But all you need is a commissary, which is not on a highway. You don't have to pay premium dollars per square foot to have it. You don't have to build up this massive kitchen. Right. You don't need seventy-five thousand dollars in tables and chairs. You don't hire a wait staff. So it's like it's got all the markings for people who are not interested in occurring all of that startup cost. Right. What did you do at the beginning? Um, that you felt was like the biggest cost to get started compared to say a restaurant. I mean, you're talking hundreds of thousands of dollars right, to open a right. restaurant. For you, it's this was this was cheap in comparison. You know, yeah. it was honestly, you know, the restaurant cost us probably three hundred eighty to four hundred thousand to get it to get it started, open. like doors open, right. swing it open on a Saturday, whatever it right. was. Uh, this was like 
six thousand dollars and i went to home <laughs> depot it's amazing the garage epoxy and i cleaned up the floor um elbow grease. i got lucky the refrigeration was there you know and you saw it the refrigeration is yeah key. and so for a while just to educate right. the listeners for a while you did it out of your home right and right. then eventually you started looking for a commissary yeah yeah so we got lucky in june uh like i said when i hit publish on that facebook page we were doing it from home which um, I don't recommend for anyone. You're not supposed to do that. But I felt comfortable with it because I'm an, I'm an experienced chef, yeah. chef and I have the sanitation certifications. You're still not supposed to do that. So <laughs> disclaimer. But I got lucky because within, um, so June, July, August, by September 1st, we were signing that lease. That's so that's three months. That's a quick right. ramp up. Just enough, just proof of concept. Right. Quick yeah, yeah. proof of concept. Yeah, right? quick and ramp up. And, you knew uh, it was going to work. Right, yeah, you were just you just well, needed a little bit of a little bit of push. Even whether you know or you don't know, it's willing to work. You know, yeah. like you said, you know, yeah. when you're looking at that blueprint or your plan and you uncover how much work it's yeah, going to be, exactly. you either go in one direction or another. And we went straight ahead. Well, it's like um, so. The way I look at it is when you put something on paper per se, and you could you could use that term, you know. Um, but when you put something on paper, most people look at it and say that's a lot of work. To me, I say. I'm committing myself to it. Right, right, right. So it's right. like every time I put it, I put something down on paper, I become accountable for it. Right. So it's like, well, yeah. no, I said I'm going to open this. I'm, I'm not going to back out now. I'm opening this. No, absolutely. Right. And, and, and that's sometimes you, that's the push that you need. Need is that right. you told everyone. Yeah. And exactly. you'll be embarrassed if you don't follow right. through. And, and sometimes that's fine too. Yeah. And I, and I don't know how you are, but I'm not a big, I don't really talk a lot about what I'm doing. I just right, do it. Right. So if you hear me say something, I'm probably already doing it. Right. That's right? how I am too. Yeah. Right. I, I, yeah. I catch yeah. that. So, so you did it, you opened up, you got your commissary. Yeah. Um, I, I came to visit. It's, it's amazing. It's an amazing workshop. Um, and it's really cool to see how it's set up. What is it like being there by yourself, not having all of the noise? Because if you're a restaurant junkie, yeah, the yeah. noise, the people coming in and out, yeah. you know, the, the, the drama, like what is it? The is drama, this like I'm fine that there's no drama. Right. No, you know what? Um, I'm super self-motivated. So I am someone that watches the clock all the time as a chef. You're usually watching the clock for one reason or another, like watching it like, okay, I gave this, this person a case of artichokes how long is it going to take them to prep the okay, artichokes yeah. okay, so you yeah. watch the clock um then you how look long at the get clock this ticket out we've got one hour how much work can we do in that one hour or you're watching the clock because five o'clock the doors open you know that kind of thing so you're always watching the clock or like you said watching how long did a ticket take is mm. this table taking too long right so for me that's just a habit and so when i go to work um i am by myself but i have a huge list you know, I have to compress essentially a restaurant's worth of food prep on Friday and Saturday. Right. You know, and I'm by myself and I choose to be. I, you know, one of my cooks is now, you know, doing a few hours with me each week. So that's helpful. Um, my family does help me like my um, they, they don't help me with the cooking, but my kids will come in with my wife. They'll put the labels on the container lids. Right. Uh, they'll do that on Saturday. So that way, when I'm plating everything up, all the lids are ready to go. And that saves me a lot of time. Oh, so you're talking about like yeah, they'll, they'll yeah, just yeah. take the like almost like make the pizza boxes. Right. For yeah, you. yeah. 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 Uh, and then they'll come back on Saturday, on Sunday rather, and we'll put all the orders, you know, together, put them into the bag right. because you know your order when it comes this week will have uh, you know five different meals in there. So we've got to put that bag together, together. put the, your name on it, uh, and then organize at the shop. One reach in, uh, one of the refrigerators is all for the pickups. The other one is all for the deliveries. deliveries. Then I write up so my route. So you developed a system, and it's yeah, not like you sure. were. There's no blueprint yet. I mean, there's, it's no, not, not like really. someone's been doing it for 30 years, 40 years. It's right. relatively new yeah. on this kind of a scale. And now you're developing these little processes, these, right. these little plan. Um, how much of an effect has technology had on that? Because you said, you told me you have a, like a really good software suite that's helping you with right. data management and things like that. I mean, yeah. that piece of software must be like your... Like, that the is the brain of your business. Over. That is the restaurant, basically. So, yeah. you know, like like we've said, this whole podcast, we don't have a restaurant, but essentially that software is because, um, you know, I get home on a Friday and I look at the orders and that prints out a report and it tells me all of the meals I have to make. So if I've got, you know, three, three to 400 meals, it tells me how many are the chicken, how many are right. the salmon, et cetera. Then I can print up another report, and it even it 
it adds up all of the chicken right. and tells me how many pounds of chicken I need to right. cook Right, so off. like yeah. this is crazy. If you own a yeah. restaurant right now and you're listening to this, like imagine right. if you owned a restaurant and you knew exactly right. how much chicken breast to buy, <laughs> right. zero waste. Right, yeah. Everyone exactly was it. pre-sold. Right, that's exactly it. And that's I what mean, we've always liked about it. My wife and amazing. I will look at it and we're like, we, you know, now we're getting busier. So there's some things that I kind of guess and I'll make it a little bit in advance, like tomato sauce. Like I'll make that on Friday before I even know the orders. Yeah, but that's minimal. That's I minimal. Mean, yeah. yeah. But we look at it and we laugh. Like right. you don't buy the food until it's already been paid right. for. I mean, if you had a conventional restaurant right. and you're selling salmon and right. swordfish and, and filet, you have to stock all of that. Right. In, in, a, in a conventional mid-sized restaurant, you could have fifteen dollars to $20,000 worth of inventory food like sitting there and before if there's a, a person even comes in correct, the door. Correct. And if there's a snowstorm. Oh, you're screwed. Or, uh, or the Pats <laughs> make it to the Super Bowl oh, and you're that, open yeah. on Sunday. Any, any Patriots Day, you know, game day Sunday, you're death. dead. Yeah, you're death. Dead. I, I know. And so you're sitting on all that food, but you had to hedge your bets. And on a restaurant level, so if we're talking about game day on a Sunday, on a restaurant level, you received that food on Friday. And right. this is not like to call out freshness or lack thereof. It's just to say no. you got it on Friday. You have to project... Um, I'll, I'll take 70 pounds of chicken. But then if you're slow on Friday, busy on Saturday, or the, the opposite could happen. You could run out and right. not even make it to Sunday. Yep. And, and which is even worse because then you have customers who come in. Oh, right. you know, I, out I came yeah, in yeah. for the... So this is a lot more... Different game. Organized. It's no. just, it's so, it's like a cookie. It's like literally plug and play. Right. You're just taking the orders and buy the product. I mean, you're a chef, so it's even easier, but it sounds like anybody can do it. Do you ever worry about the competition sort of getting really, really, wa- you know, watering down the business? Right. You, you know, you can I mean, never you, worry you about the be. competition. Um, you, you always have to just worry about yourself. And if someone is taking your customers, then you've got to look internally and figure out why is that happening? Is it because of pricing? Is it quality? I love this. Is answer. it service? You you yeah. can't worry about the competition. Hundred percent. You right. got to worry about yourself. You yeah, gotta I, take I love care that of your answer. own house. That's right. Because in it, 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 if I'm in your position, I would say it worries me only because I don't want it to get too saturated too quickly because it will right. devalue everybody that's in the business. Right. Because right. there are chefs like yourself who are like putting out amazing product. But that would be it. You're right. Like yeah. there is. I'm a sh- like I'm a chef. I'm an executive chef. You know, I'm highly trained, highly experienced. My product is going to be great. I'm not worried about it. That's right, really the position right. you're taking. Yeah, you always have to just, you know, I don't think I don't say it like that. Well, I do. <laughs> Let me say it for you. Thank you. <laughs> you know, we just we just try to go in and make sure the food is fresh, food is good. Mm-hmm. You know, always be focused on it tasting good, and then delivering it in a timely manner. You know, I have direct communication with our customers. If something comes up and I can't deliver on a Sunday, right. Uh, which does happen on occasion. You know, that's the problem with um, growing, but at the same time being small. Right. You know, uh, it's tough. You know, so we're, yeah. we're always trying to reevaluate everything each week. Like, were we busy enough to bring on an employee, uh, which will streamline the process and right. maybe um, prevent some of those issues? Yeah, I mean, so if you're, if you're looking at it for, as, as a business from the outside looking in, it's just, it's, it's so clean. It's so mm-hmm. simple almost. Um, and, and you, again, you're not super worried about market saturation just because, you know, you have sort of a competitive advantage. But what do you think is in the future for your business that might be sort of a long-term differentiator? Because I'm sure the market will get a little more saturated. So two thoughts I've, I've got for future is maybe going in the direction, right now we're 100% online, and our shop, while you can go there to pick up, is not like a, a retail storefront, you know, that yeah, you might strictly, see in downtown. No, it's strictly a kitchen. Right. It's a kitchen. Yeah. yeah. So possibly getting a spot that would be more like a cafe type mm-hmm. spot where you could get our meals and just sit there and eat. Um, so that's one idea. The other idea is actually uh, maybe too big to mention. Super top secret. Well, I, I mean, it, if you if you want. Selling, you know, is going into um, frozen foods yeah, in great. a supermarket. That's That would be brilliant. Yeah, because then, you know, then it's the ultimate convenience. Right. Now you find that you could be still online, but you could also be at the Whole Foods down the street. Yeah, Whole Foods. You know? or even, there's just so many different ways you can go with that. At some point, and I, I'm not saying this about your brand in particular, but at some point, 
you know, gas stations are going to have to offer a healthy right, option, right. healthier option. Yeah, you yeah. know, there's so many places that can go. And by doing that, you could get nat- national distribution. Yeah. Like right now, our type of business to deliver, you're using a UPS or a FedEx. And there's a lot of packaging because, let's say, if five meals go to your house, uh, but, but you're in North Carolina, it's going in a box, insulated, ice packs, et cetera, and then an outer box for shipping. Right. But if you scale up and you're now a frozen meal that is at the supermarket in the freezer section, now you're delivering on a tractor trailer, right. not to each individual home. So it's a different, it's a completely different animal, but that's when you really scale up. Yeah, and you can scale up very quickly like that. Yeah, then, then, yeah then for sure. Money starts flowing in as well because it's, <laughs> it's super big. But it's funny, um, and I just wanted your opinion on this, but I noticed a lot. Um, it seems like all the biz- all the food businesses that didn't start on the retail side mm-hmm. eventually always want to have like a little retail. Right. Is it like a is it like a, a natural desire to just? I think it's you know the grass always looks greener on that other side. side. But I think it's also smart is to have. Um, Retail have your, at your have your fingers in everything yeah. or your hands in everything, and you can't rely a hundred percent online. You can't rely a hundred percent on retail. You know, if you have a little, it's like diversity. You know, di- right. diversifying where your money is coming from. Yeah, and if you and if it can get it cheap enough, you can keep it small enough, and the right. meals are already prepped. Right. Yeah, it could make sense. Yeah. Um, but in today's world, what's your advice for any young restaurateur um, who's looking to open up a restaurant right now? Oh, geez, open a restaurant. Don't yeah. do that. <laughs> I mean, I'm not talking, but just a restaurant. Like, this, right, there's right, a lot right. of kids out there, I'm sure, who are like, you know what? I want to open up a restaurant. Like, what do you, yeah. what would you say? I'm not in the business. So, I, you know, I think it's um, just be ready to work and enjoy the work. You know, if you don't enjoy the work, you're not going to stick with it. Right. You know, and I loved it and I still love it. So, you know, getting back to your question earlier about how it is when I'm at the kitchen and I'm working. Uh, most of the time I'm just standing there by myself cooking and smiling uncontrollably because I'm so happy to be doing that and to be in control of it, right. you know, and to be doing my own thing again. So, but that's because I really enjoy it. If you don't enjoy it, you won't stick with it. You won't stick with it. Yeah, you won't have that longevity. What about the current environment or the current status of, say, the economic side of just being a restaurateur? I mean, yeah. do you think that you should never, like if you're really passionate about food or, or say, um, cupcakes and you want to open up a cupcake shop, but you know, cause you're a restaurateur, you know, the economics are just way against you. Right. Do you right. still tell a young kid to just go for it? You have to go for you it. You have to go. You for have it. to, cause yeah. you'll, you'll live, um, until the day you die, you'll regret it. You got to yeah. try it. Even if it doesn't work out or if it causes a lot of turmoil, um, or it could be the best thing ever. You'll never know until you try it. Yeah. You have to, you owe it to yourself to try it. Yeah. So you heard it. From Tony Betancourt. <laughs> All right, man. Hey, I want to thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you. Um, and hopefully we'll have you back again. But for in sure. the meantime, yes, I can't wait for my meals. Awesome. I'll, <laughs> I'll be delivering them, I think. Or I'll, I think your wife picked pick up. Oh, she might That's have. That's great. Yeah, she may have. One less drive for me to take. <laughs> All right. Till the next time. Awesome. Thank you.